What's Up Whittier. Welcome to What's Up Whittier, a homegrown podcast. A podcast to showcase Whittier's businesses, personalities, and hidden treasures. Hey everybody, producer Christine here. But I did want to let you know that this is part of our City Council Candidate Series. So just to let you know, vote-by-mail ballots are going to be sent out on January 23rd. Early election day starts on February 22nd, and actual election day is on March 3rd. Here at What's Up Whittier, we believe in democracy and having an open forum for candidates to really come from the heart and talk about why they're running for office. So I hope you enjoy this series in the next few episodes. Thank you for listening, subscribing, leaving us reviews for What's Up Whittier. As you know, this is a free community resource to everybody. So we're here, we're interviewing our future representatives, and we want you to get out the vote. If you're not registered to vote, you can head to lavote.net to check your registration and register people to vote. If you know kids or teenagers that are 16 and up, did you know they can actually pre-register to vote? Definitely. So go to lavote.net and get people pre-registered. And again, thank you so much for tuning in to What's Up Whittier. You can follow all of our social media. Check us out at What's Up Whittier on Instagram and Facebook at What's Up 562 on Twitter. And check out our new website, What's Up Whittier.xyz. And also check out all of our social media, the team. You can check out Remo the Realtor at RemoTheRealtor.com and everything at RemoTheRealtor. And you can follow Jesse the Architect at J2Architects on Facebook, Instagram, and J2Architects.com. And yes, although I am running for office, I'm not going to plug my website right now, but you can head over to ChristineSingerLuna.com if you're interested in notary services, because I am a notary. Thank you so much, everybody, for following along with What's Up Whittier and for trusting us to bring you this type of resourceful information. Now, take it away, Jesse and Remo. What's up, Whittier? Dun, da, da, da. Oh, man, I missed that intro. We are getting caffeine, caffeined up, Jesse, except you drink caffeine. You drink decaf. I also say good morning, but it's not good morning. It's already good afternoon. It's afternoon. We're here in your uh, in the What's Up Whittier headquarters, enjoying a beautiful sunset behind us. That's right, man. In the lovely city of Whittier. It, 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 I won't charge you for that sunset, man. It's all free. No? Okay, well. Good. You even <laughs> bought me coffee too. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, so we're going to continue our uh, candidate um, uh, series. Um, so we have another candidate we're going to interview. Um, candidate that we have today is uh, also on District 3, um, running for city council here in Whittier. And um, we'll let her introduce herself. Uh, we have Yasmin Ferrada. Yes. Uh, with us, welcome. I could have said you that so too. Much. <laughs> Here, Remo, who's her? Yasmin. Oh, thank you, thank you. I have cousins that have Yasmin. Oh man, you're cheating, man. You're cheating. He's got Yasmin down. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. The sunset is beautiful behind you all. Yeah. I'm kind of lucky I get to face that way. There you go. <laughs> um, so like they said, my name is Yasmin Ferrada, and I'm running for City Council, uh, District 3. I've been born and raised in Whittier. I lived in Whittier my entire life. Um, I love my city, and I care for it dearly, which is what motivated me to run for office. Um, I'm also very grateful to have been born into a family that has really instilled the importance of public service at a young age. Uh, my mom's heavily involved in community activism, as was my father. Um, and so it just felt naturally that when you see a gap and a need, you um, step up to the plate. Um, and so what I do for a living, what my profession is, is student affairs. So I graduated Cal State Long Beach, and from there I began my career as a student affairs professional, uh, specifically in transition and retention of college students uh, within their first two years to make sure they graduate within four. Um, and I worked at Cal State Long Beach for about four years, and now I work at Cal State LA. I've been there for about two years. Um, and yeah, doing the same work. I love it so much seeing students when they begin um, their career in college to when they graduate. Um, it's it's a really beautiful thing to witness them develop and do all of that. So yeah, um, yeah that's what I do um, on my my day job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you said you're you're born here in Whittier. Yes. And raised. Yes. Um, what what 
What uh, is your family from? Also from Woodard? Yes. Or? Oh, yes. So you're like several generations in. Uh, well, my mom's family actually migrated to Whittier um, from Jalisco okay. when she was 12 years old. So back in the 60s, yeah. But um, her whole family migrated and settled in Whittier. So our whole family is here. So you got Whittier running through your veins. Absolutely. Very cool. What keeps you here? Uh, the community. I love it here. Um, I believe that Whittier is a place um, for everybody and has something for everybody. Um, and it, it feels like home. It's home to me. And I would like it to be home forever. Nice. Mm-hmm. What uh, what local schools did you go to? I went to Murphy Ranch and I went to Granada Middle School and I graduated from Lucerna High, Gold Lancers. There you go. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them. Yeah. Any sports? Um, or any, what do they call extra? Extracurricular <laughs> stuff I put on my resume. Yes, yes. Um, I actually ran track my freshman year, nice. um, but I actually started playing club soccer outside of school. So I didn't play for high school uh, mm-hmm. per se, but I played during that time. Very cool. You mm-hmm. still active? Or? Um, it's more door knocking nowadays in terms of exercise. <laughs> <That's> only- <laughs> <laughs> but when I can, I'll go, I'll go to uh, LA Fitness and try to, try to lift a little bit. See, my daily uh, uh, crunch routine is just getting off the bed. <laughs> yeah, Walking to the Starbucks across the street. <laughs> well, that, that's that's a uh, cardio, man. <laughs> well, on the way in, Christine and I actually walked up five flights of stairs. Oh. So uh, I think I got my cardio for today. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, well, we're going to start whole... in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Let me catch my it's breath. like for the whole week. It was exactly. a good thing you guys went to get coffee. We were <laughs> getting our breath. Exactly. Oh, man. Very cool. Um, so you kind of mentioned a little bit of, of why you're running uh, for city council. Uh, do you want to elaborate on that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have grown up, um, obviously, in the city forever. And I feel like if it wasn't for my active engagement and finding out what's happening in our city, um, I think we can do a better job of kind of reaching to uh, the younger generation of folks and getting them involved, as well as all ages. Um, as I've been door knocking, um, you know, I've kind of affirmed the idea that not a lot of people know who their city council member is in District 3. Um, a lot of people don't feel like they're a part of the conversation. And I think that that's something that I can bring to the table and really bring the community's voice along with me. Going back to the um, the, the college, um, helping college students and just the younger people, I'll tell you one of my biggest influences um, was my college uh, advisor in high school. Mm. And I still keep in contact to the day. And she was the reason why she pushed me for... Uh, further ed- continued many years of continued education or uh, I don't even know what it's called uh, advanced education yeah it's continued education continued, yeah, yeah. P- post grad po- yeah mm-hmm. so um, so I, as you hear that I mean that's a, an important thing because I think if people get that support at the young age then they continue to push to make the community better oh, I think 100%. a lot of times if you are not like if you're not vested and and the more obviously you go down that um, uh, lane, um, you become more vested because you just you're more aware of what's going on. Absolutely, um, my majors in college were sociology and Chicano studies. So for me, sociology um, really kind of put me on to understanding how systems work, how communities and societies are built, right, and mm-hmm. institutions at play. And so when I look at issues in our city, I very little see them as like face value issues or superficial issues but larger systemic institutional issues that i feel like we can really make change if we have the um the right leadership mm-hmm. so i definitely agree with you um you go to college and you come out inspired and mm-hmm. and you know hopeful that you can make a difference well i'm glad they steer you in the right direction remo because <laughs> i don't know where you would be uh, without that that great advice yeah i came out with a lot of debt like remo the, <laughs> remo the contractor yeah. no yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, And in terms of um, kind of like obviously uh, canvassing, uh, going door knocking and and getting to know uh, residents, what has been the biggest concerns you've you've heard so far? Um, One of them is the fact that they didn't know that a city council election was around the corner or who their city council members were. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm like introducing myself. Hello, remind you there's an election and I'm running for office. And they're like, I'm sorry, what? What What office? Uh, When? Who? How do we vote for this? Well, Um, because this year they're changing. It's going to be March. March 3rd. It's actually on the primaries this time. Very which cool. is which is awesome, which is good news for us because that means more folks are going to get out to vote. Yeah, absolutely. So that was one of the things that was extremely alarming to me. Um, you know, 
how come nobody knows who their city council member is and why don't they know about their opportunity to vote for who their city council member is? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the last session, um, our current representative in District 3 was appointed because um, nobody ran against them, mm-hmm. which kind of is telling, right, of the lack of active engagement in District 3. Correct. Um, so that's one of the things that really came up when we were door knocking. Um, but the second largest issue that I'm, I'm seeing and hearing is the homelessness crisis. Mm. And, you know, we have Parnell Park in District 3, and a lot Correct. of folks are very, um, you know, everyone's feeling a different way about it, but they yes. all know that it's an issue. That's right. That's right. It needs to be dealt with. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I mean, here's me just being... I don't say ignorant, but, but by the way, Remo's in District Three, I'm so in, I'm in he's District one of your. Three. Up until maybe three years ago, maybe when we started, I knew there was city council members. I never really just stepped back and said, "Okay, well, which one is District Three? I, I mm-hmm. live in District Three, and so not knowing that who is my district. So I'm, I'm even though I'm, I'm part of the community. I didn't know either, right? And it's one of those things that until canvassing happens, or until someone actually comes and says, "Hey, I'm." Your, I'm your dude or I'm your gal, um, then 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 you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I always thought all of them were our city council yeah. members. Yeah. Well, I mean, are. to be fair, um, they are, but yeah. also they didn't. It didn't become districted until 2014, I believe. Oh, okay. so, so it wasn't forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <I> felt <laughs> so like don't I'm feel in too the bad. <laughs> no, no, no. So we didn't um, always have it districted, yeah. Yeah. Um, but now we do, and folks should know that. Yeah, yeah. Any other issues you see that have come up? Um, I think the biggest, those are the two biggest things. Um, Part of District 3, um, so we're divided by Whittier Boulevard, essentially, right? Um, And folks that live below Whittier Boulevard um, have really expressed the concern that they have often been neglected. Um, And, you know, it's not one or two people, but it's at least like 20 to 30 folks who have expressed very similar sentiments. Um, And they are actually right across the street from unincorporated Whittier. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what they showed me was that down the street, you see the sidewalks just, you know, paved well. There's none of those, um, you know, with earthquakes and things like that happening, like um, big, huge bumps that could essentially be dangerous, right, to community or or to children. Um, And then there's like nothing. It's perfectly paved on the unincorporated side. And then you look over to District 3 and, you know, it it is unsafe. And there's a lot of um, sidewalks that are kind of, you know, being patched up and Mm -hmm. it's just causing you know their their, uh, children to have a hard time you know rollerblading or skateboarding and doing things like that Um, and so they definitely feel neglected Um, we are separated um, by friendly you know there's friendly hills and then there's not friendly hills and a lot of folks um, below the boulevard feel like they have been ignored Um, and so when I asked them to kind of delve a little bit deeper into that, they've actually shared concerns that they've tried to get a hold of their city council member, and, you know, they've been told that they're part of unincorporated Whittier, um, and they're not. They're still District 3. Yeah. So there's obviously a disconnect there that needs to be that needs to be a, a, you know, held somehow. accountable. Yeah. yeah. In terms of, like, um, uh, volunteering organizations, because, again, the, once you get elected, you're going to be a volunteer, right? I mean, there's oh, no absolutely. paid job. It's a public service. Um, have it, Have you uh, been part of any uh, organizations that you think would help uh, uh, towards your candidacy? Um, well, I'm part of Loud, which is an organization that's based in supporting and empowering young women. Um, the founding member is actually lives in District Three, and so what we've been doing is kind of doing different. Um, um, philanthropy work and getting young women the the help and support that they need, whether it's job applications or prepping for interviews, and you know how to get how to get ready to enter the the working world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've kind of always done a lot of uh, volunteer work on my own, so I've done a lot of blanket drives and hygiene kit drives since our homelessness crisis started a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, and we have community members come around and and drop things off, and you know where there's a need. We respond to it, and that's kind of how my, me and my family operate. Um, but I also serve on the oversight committee for Rio Hondo. Um, and, you know, back to education being something that really drives me, I think that is a huge um, a huge benefit to see how that works. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, regarding, uh, get to the resident questions as well, how, um, you know, homelessness is obviously being a resident here and, whether it's Council District 3 or really all of Woody or all of Southern California, mm-hmm. uh, the homelessness has been uh, a concern and safety concern, especially in Council District 3 next mm-hmm. to Parnell Park. Um, 
as a as a candidate, how would you address uh, the homelessness in, in in Council District Three? Yeah. And, and before you answer these next questions, it's not to find out like an actual solution. Like I know I don't think we're going to find it today. But I think if you could <laughs> Maybe, just explain, I, mean, <laughs> well, I just want to hear. I'm like, give me a shot. I know, I know. Because because we talk. I mean, we talk about like always trying to find a solution for something, yeah. and, and it's always hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think these next questions are going to be more of like, what would be your plan, um, or how would you strategize for for these specific things? So, anyways. Yeah. With that said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how would I address homelessness? Well, the first thing is making sure that we have enough beds. <laughs> that is the very first thing that we have to do. Um, you know, with the Boise case, we cannot have our law enforcement responding, giving tickets or arresting anybody if we are not offering the appropriate amount of beds. Um, everybody knows that in terms of leadership. Um, why that hasn't been established, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but that is the very first thing that I would do. Um, the next thing I would do is expand our first day services. So first day has actually been, um, you know, they've had very great results in terms of lowering recidivism, getting folks off the street, and not just kind of sheltering them for a weekend or two, but really cleaning them up, getting them off of whatever, um, you know, substance abuse that they're experiencing or mental health crises, and actually getting them jobs and back on their feet. So I think expanding first day, I know, you know, there has been plans to build homeless shelters, but a lot of folks are not comfortable with them building that in their backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, first day happens to be in a industrial area where there's not neighborhoods directly next to it. So I think expanding first day would actually be a positive solution that mm-hmm. would make folks still feel safe. Um, another thing is, is we have to consider homelessness as a man-made issue because we see it, it, it didn't just arrive one day. Um, I think, you know, stopping criminalizing the folks that are living on the street. A lot of them are suffering um, a really difficult time. I've actually spent many weekend mornings with the folks living in Parnell Park trying to understand, you know, where they're coming from, what their needs are. And a lot of them are Whittier residents. They've lived in Whittier their whole life. They can't simply afford to pay rent. Um, A lot of them are experiencing um, mental health crisis, and a lot of them are not. A lot of them just simply can't afford to live um, and pay rent. So I think it's important to um, humanize the people that are experiencing this crisis so that we can really put our efforts together to try to solve it um, in a humane way. I mm-hmm. think, you know, we're, if we continue to push the narrative of, like, we got to get them out, sweep them up, it really motivates a lot of violence in our community. And a lot of folks are responding that way. You know, we see in Parnell Park not too long ago there was a shooting from folks that are fed up with it. And I think that kind of violence is is sparked and encouraged when leadership is not, you know, explaining and and putting their their foot down in terms of how this crisis happened and why we're not finding a solution to it. Um, Inciting violence in community members, I don't think, is the right way to go. Now, when you say increase beds or get more beds, I mean, would that be building a, a large facility? I mean, I know we're not looking for the actual solution, but is there more that you can kind of add to how those additional beds would, would well, come from? Well, there are locations that have beds now in mm-hmm. Whittier. Um, I think we can expand on that. And, you know, first day, I think we have a lot of churches. Um, we have a lot of nonprofits um, that are doing the work now. Um But there's no one way of streamlining the services and getting the folks they need. I think there has to be a coalition that comes together and say, we're all trying to solve this problem in our own way. Instead of working in silos, we can come to the table and work together um, to make this happen. And I think finding the space in one of those places and expanding from there is really the starting point. I I think that... um Everything you said in terms of how you're, you're, what you're seeing and how you would deal with it, um, it all makes sense because uh, from the standpoint of it really starts with, with the people who make decisions on a city-wide uh, um, community, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think it's at that point you become a leader. You're leading a group or organizations or individuals to, to – deal with something that is obviously in this case homelessness um i, I know we were, we've been talking about um how we've been so divided citywide mm-hmm. um and i think that just starts with leadership mm-hmm. i think it's it's uh, not to knock anybody down Correct. um but i think if you if you were to put this issue it might be a separate issue but you put it in an organization like a business it, it if you don't have a strong leader 
who is, has a plan or a direction on where you want to go and doesn't bring the individuals who are there to execute that plan, then you're going to get what we're getting now. Right. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing, or, or at least they think they're doing the right thing. Um, but there is no um, set uh, – um, it, it's not cohesive. It, it, like it, it's just – I don't think we're going to get anywhere. Um, but, but I'm glad you mentioned that because, I, again, I think it's very important uh, as a council member um, that, that you become or take on that role um, and more specifically when it's in your district. Because at that point, you're listening to the people who are actually being affected directly by this. Right. Um, and, and, and it shows it shows that you're actually listening. I mean, uh, and that you live there, too, because as far as it could be from our home, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty far from there. But I still see the effects of that. Right. Um, not directly, but indirectly uh, on, on a community. So. Right. And, it, I mean, it changes, too, the dynamic of our city. I mean, people are feeling unsafe. People mm-hmm. are feeling – and when people feel fear, they respond in any way that they feel yeah. is appropriate. And that's yeah. when, you know, things can get dangerous, yeah. um, which is why – you know, I'm not only running for council, but I live there. So as a constituent, I would prefer to have my leader, especially if it's happening in District 3, to stand up and say, look, this is what's happening. Um, this is what I think we should do. Everybody, like, everything's going to be okay. We're going to figure it out. And I feel like that's what leadership should should be, someone to stand up and say, like, let me figure it out. I may not have the answers now, but I'm doing everything I can to solve this problem. Correct. And, and I'd like to point that out, too, because I, I don't think we pointed out the, the previous interview, is that in order for you to run for that specific district, in this case is District 3, one of the requirements is that you must be a resident of that district, right? Right. Um, and, and, again, I think it's very important to know because you're essentially being also – you're also seeing the daily situations, whether it's homelessness or any other issue um, right. in a daily life. So so I'd like to kind of point that out. Um the next thing, the other question we we have here on our list is, uh, what would you, uh, what would you, well, what is your plan on retaining or attracting local businesses? Yeah, so you know, I'm not just canvassing uh, residents, but I'm also going out in District Three and speaking to local businesses. Um, it's a similar response as the residents that they're not sure who their city council member is. Um, while many local businesses don't necessarily live in District 3, um, I would still assume it'd be important for them to know who their city council member is um, or, or how they go about talking, who they, who they reach out to if they have an issue, things like that, right? Um, and so I think if you're out there as a leader of your district and you're talking and you're, and you're talking to the owners and you're um, frequenting those spaces um, and you're seen by your community, um, those local businesses feel support. Right now we're hearing a lot of, you know, there's unnecessary fees. I can't have a sandwich board sign outside to market my restaurant because it's $300 a month and then I have to stop for a month and then put it back. I can't hang a sign. Um, if we are wanting to attract and if we truly want to attract local businesses and retain them, um, then we can't have punitive um, policies in order, right? If we're really supposed to be fostering a welcoming environment for local businesses, then we should actually be doing doing that. And, you know, right now Uptown is our, you know, place where we know it's thriving and we know a lot of these businesses are doing great, which is awesome. But District 3 is kind of, in my opinion, left out um, in terms of thriving local businesses. Because I think that whole area is all like small mom and pop shops, right? I mean, there's no big chain. Well, we have Target and we have the Woodwood Town Center, yeah, um, which is pretty large, right? Yeah. Um, but we also have a lot of plazas and spaces that are kind of abandoned. Yeah. And I think we can do a lot more in those spaces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And years ago, it was the complete opposite. Council District 3 or that area, obviously there was a lot bigger businesses and, mm-hmm. and, and uptown and other areas didn't have the the, 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 the kind of the pull that um, the Woodwood area had. So yeah, I definitely think it those little smaller sh- kind of plazas do need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the past, obviously being on Woodyear Boulevard was attractive, but some people just don't don't care for it as much anymore. I mean, I, I, I live in, again, Council District 3, but I, I prefer Uptown mm-hmm. just because it's walkable. Now, you said the, the safety concerns with the homelessness. I mean, I, I'll tell you right now, my wife, if I'm not with her, she's not walking Uptown. She's not walking by herself just because this, the safety concerns of the homeless are there. So I, I think um, um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know where I went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's kind of what she mentioned. That it's just <clears throat> like we, we forget that there's another side of town that has businesses. Yeah. And and I think that the reason why I was saying it's like majority mom and pop shops mm-hmm. is because those are usually the businesses, the first businesses that um, get affected financially. They have Absolutely. a bigger impact uh, uh, when you do have a, a fee that, that is, say, 300 bucks. Yeah. Mom and pop shop might be like that. If you translate it to actual money, it's probably like a million dollars. Right. Whereas like a Target or one of these other big ones, it's yeah. like it's a it, it's changed, you know. Right. And the different marketing needs, right? Target needs no introduction. Yeah. <laughs> if you go to Target when yeah. you need something, no questions asked. Mom and pop shops are the ones that really thrive off of marketing. How do you get folks to go into your job if you're not um, if you're not marketing, right? Um, and so for those to be the ones that are suffering the most to, to market is kind of contradictory of, in terms of fostering, right? Yeah. So going on to our next question, um, what, how would you address uh, housing needs? Um, I definitely think we see a lack in affordable housing, um, not just in District 3, but in all of Whittier. Um, I think the Groves was definitely, you know, a promise that we were made that they were going to have affordable housing in the Groves, and it's just, it it didn't work out that way. Um, And I think that was a huge loss for our community. Um, I think there's a lot of young families that want to stay in Whittier, but simply can't afford it. Um, And I think when we have a conversation about homelessness, and, you know, there's this narrative that people are coming from out of the city, and, and, you know, they're coming to sleep in our parks, um, but the conversation is suddenly opposite when we're talking about um, developments or, or lofts, right, or, or apartments that folks can't afford. They're not Whittierites that are, you know, starting a family and staying here. They're coming from places where folks can afford that type of rent. So if we really want to meet the needs of our community, then housing should be one of those needs. Now, in terms of uh, housing, uh, we mentioned, or you mentioned affordable housing. But what's your take on, on just developing general housing, like apartments, condos? Because yeah. um, I know District 3 has um, a lot of apartment buildings mm-hmm. or apartment communities. Um, is that a good thing or a bad thing from your end? I think that's a good thing. I think that's a great thing, as long as our community members can afford to live there. So it's going back to, to we need more housing, as long as it's within the price range to, to be able to have people, uh, obviously, um, afford and I think afford right now is kind of hard because um, obviously minimum wage hasn't gone up um, cost of, of living is pretty right. high right and um, I mean I have this conversation with my parents all the time you know purchasing a home for myself is a very different conversation than purchasing a home for them right um, which was like 40 years ago um, and so, you know, a lot of folks in, in my generation and, you know, even senior citizens, right, are having a hard time being able to make rent. Um, what is our, how is our city responding to that? How can we respond to that? Um, do I think that more apartment buildings are a good thing? Absolutely. But, you know, going back to the thing, if, they're, if they cannot afford to live there, um, then we're not building for our community. Now, I mean, here's my take on it. I know I'm not a candidate, but being in, in the real estate world and seeing um, housing from, my, I guess, a different uh, perspective is the market will always determine what the going rate would be unless there's some sort of restriction on Correct. an apartment building that says you, you know, a percentage has to be rented. And, and there's many that are like that. I, I want to say maybe at one point the Groves, it was going to be offered sometime. I don't know if that's no, no, no longer the case. Um, but that's the only way that you're going to really get um, affordable housing to, to what people want it for the actual affordable housing. Um, I think a lot of the apartments that are being built now, from a consumer standpoint, if I'm looking at an apartment that's brand new or an apartment that's you know 50 years old, I wouldn't expect the new one to be cheaper because it's, it's new. And mm-hmm. so I, even though the development is happening, I think labeling it affordable housing is – Probably not the like that might be the goal, but the end result is going to be that that unit will be more than mm-hmm. your standard uh, apartment. So unless they there's some sort of restriction on to make it uh, affordable, then there's yeah. yeah yeah. I mean, I think there's also there might be a misconception when we hear the term affordable housing, right? Because a lot of times it's associated with the projects or you know mm-hmm. state 
housing, which, you know, has a negative connotation to it. Um, but if we look at uh, affordable housing developments that have been developed in the past two years all over L.A. County, we see that they do look mm-hmm. they do look beautiful. Right. They do look new mm-hmm. um, and they're still staying within the, the range of, of an affordable rent. And that is because there are rent caps and things yeah. like that. Yeah. I want to say the groves, from what I remember, the groves, not the groves, I'm sorry, the gables on Whittier Boulevard, they have deed-restricted yes. units in there that um, are um, are offered as mm-hmm. affordable housing. And yes. so a percentage of those, and you would never know, it's not like the ones on the left side or anything or the one on the right. It's mixed within the actual um, uh, complex. Mm-hmm. So it's possible. <laughs> it's no, no, done. I, yeah. I, I, I strongly believe that it, it it's definitely needed. Um, for me, uh, obviously, from, based on my experience, it's always the battle is always. It, it's everybody is in into something for profit, um, and so um, everybody's in into something for profit, right? And so. If you can't make the um, – so, for example, if you're developing a community, in this case, if you're doing an apartment building, there, unless it's a city or a government, mm-hmm. um, nobody's going to take up that property and develop it to lose money. Right. And so that's always been the balance, right? And so I think – obviously, this is my point of view mm-hmm. – um, is that if we do want to get into the affordable side of things, then we need to have government really step in or, or – um, Help in a sense where, whether it's financial or or property mm-hmm. uh, uh, help, um, to be able to have that that that's that location in place to be able to make it more affordable. Right. Um, but you're right. I think it's definitely needed. Um, aside from obviously being able to provide spaces for families to kind of grow up in, I think you're you're also bringing in a dynamic that that would change the community mm-hmm. um and and you see this in in i mean i've, I've seen it growing up here in Whittier where where you have different um i don't want to say classes but it's it, it's um what would be the right word in terms of financial um, socioeconomic exactly status, yeah. and how we all kind of blend in um and, and, it, and it's even like more like a, a kind of bringing different cultures if you kind of put them together or side by side you start exchanging these ideas and and traditions and and so forth and it just makes a community even stronger mm-hmm. um stronger to the point where where you know we're all kind of watching each other's backs Absolutely. Um, and you cannot have that if you don't obviously have that in place um but obviously i digress <laughs> <laughs> um kind of going on to the next question uh in terms of uh uh, crime mm-hmm. is what our question is about. Um, how would you address uh, crime in in the overall sense? Yeah, I mean, obviously we know that that issue is multifaceted and, and there's a lot of layers there. Um, but from a preventative perspective, I think that there can definitely be an investment in education. Um, I obviously come from an education background, so that's something that I obviously believe in. Um, but it's also been proven. I mean, there's studies that show when we invest education in our communities um, and, you know, all different kinds of education. I'm talking about cultural education, letting, you know, young folks know where they come from. That actually steers them away from things like gangs and, and theft and graffiti. Um, you know, we have a huge movement of young people who, who see graffiti as an art. Right. So if we can invest in our young communities and give them the space to kind of have an outlet to share that, um, then they wouldn't feel like they have to go and write on businesses or on homes or on brick walls. Right. Um, We we can change the conversation, but we have to be creative and we have to be invested. And the way that we do that is we have to get to know our community. You know, we can't rule from the dais without ever walking through our district. So I feel that um, those are some of the things that. Um, that we can do to prevent crime from happening, um, but obviously also supporting supporting our police department in in what they need. It's interesting you bring that perspective, or you put that perspective on graffiti, because um, that's Jesse's what I would a, call it. Jesse's a tagger. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm a professional tagger. <laughs> um, uh, you look at other cities. Uh, you look at other neighborhoods uh, where where they have like this whole arts, arts district mm-hmm. communities, um, and and art has always art is kind of encouraged, 
Um, but it's different types of art, right? right? And this happens obviously to be one of them. Well, not the one we're talking about specifically, but but the one you mentioned in terms of being artistic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and how that kind of weaves into a community. And they do it successfully. Right. I mean, they do it well. Um, I, I know here locally, it's 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 a it's almost like a culture shock, right? Um, which I think, like, kind of like you said, you you, you have to show that how well it can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have the other type, which is the the non so artistic and, and creative. Uh, right. It says she becomes a nuisance, um, and. Even that, I know community-wise, there is uh, uh, there is programs to kind of deal with some of that stuff, but but it's uh, it's one of those things where if you don't deal with it, it just kind of adds. It kind of like you said, it, it's one of those kind of cogs to the whole wheel, right? Mm-hmm. It's a component to it. Um, I mean, has that been something that you've been hearing in your canvassing in terms of like you know graffiti or or even theft or? I mean, theft comes up in conversations with the homeless encampment a lot. Mm. Um, so that is something that I'm hearing in District 3. Um, graffiti has not been something that folks are really complaining about too mm-hmm. much. I personally don't see it as much in District 3 as I yeah. do in other parts of Whittier. Um, so that is not something that I'm I'm seeing as a, as a huge priority. We, we need to solve this problem now. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, the more things that you, you kind of invest in, in in the youth, we actually start seeing a difference in terms of gangs and graffiti and, and the good kind of graffiti, right? Not, yes. not the gang. <laughs> not the gang. We're not writing gangs on walls. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, there are places out there that have successfully done this. I mean, we have art shows. We have art walks. Um, there can be youth programs to get them, you know, being able – being able to use an outlet and when we decriminalize that then they feel like they're a part of the community and when you feel like you're a part of a community you don't want to deface it or ruin it you feel Mm -hmm. like invested in it to keep it beautiful correct correct and lastly um and obviously before we move forward i know you have to cut out uh at a certain time uh just let me know when you're ready uh I'm good. It's it's up to you. All. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to rush you. That's, oh, that's no, no, what no, I'm no. getting at. I'm good. Um, <laughs> and uh, the last question is, um, uh, how would you address long-term financial stability for the city? I know most recently we you've been hearing a lot of council meetings how you know this, this whole Calpers fund and and so forth. Um, what's your take on that? Um, I think our our leadership has made a lot of promises to folks um, without being able to, you know, think ahead. And I think this is kind of just a, a response like the other ones that's lacking a little bit of a proactive approach. Um, you know, we, we made decisions not thinking about how it would look 10 years, 20 years from now. And now we're kind of, you know, at a situation where we have to respond to it. Um, you know, we do have sales taxes and, and hoping that that kind of meets you know, balances out our budget. But what we're looking at is that we can't continue to increase the sales tax by law. There's a, there's mm-hmm. a cap to that as well. Um, and so we have to start thinking about how we can be fiscally responsible in, in areas. How are we spending money in other areas that we can be using for things that have already been promised? There's nothing we can do about that, right? Um, and I think as an institution, if we've promised folks something, then we have to follow through with it. Um, but, you know, there are there have been... Um, there have been ideas coming from council, which I, I personally don't 100% agree with, like, you know, drilling in our hills um, as a way to generate money. That's not something that I would I would support. Um, and, you know, knowing and digging a little bit deeper, the money that would be generated from that wouldn't be used for, for what we need it for I, anyways. Um, so I think we really need um, to have folks assess um, what's going on in our city and really take a more fiscal fiscally responsible approach to how we're going to handle this crisis. I mean, this is something that we've known about for decades. So to expect folks to solve it in, you know, the six months leading up to election is not reasonable. This is something that should have been thought about for years. Um, But now we're kind of met with this. And I'm glad you mentioned crisis because that's what it's become. Mm -hmm. And 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 you're absolutely right. Um, from uh, again, I, I throw this back as as in business, right? Even as a family, if you're like the head of, that's just a head of household. If you're the if you're the the the, the person involved, finan- who handles the financials at home, mm-hmm. um, Remo, I'm looking at you, my wife. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a checks and balances, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to overspend than what you're making. 
Um, you want to plan for the future. There's vehicles for that. Um, and, and for me, I almost look at the city the same way. Right. Right. Um, you don't you don't plan a vacation and like and you know two three months uh, in in within two three months and then all of a sudden say okay I'm gonna come up with you know five grand to go on vacation well right. where does that come from mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um, and at that point it becomes a crisis right right um, but but uh, you know I'm glad you're saying that because it it's I don't know if it's just me like thinking it should be common sense for everybody no it should be <laughs> but but it, it, it's hard to believe that that no, you go on vacation and you put on the credit card yeah <laughs> that, that's exactly what's happening which now i really red, know, yeah now i really know you don't run your financial <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean it, it's one of those things where you would think that you know as as individuals you would kind of see it that way but but i guess not huh I guess not. Uh, I was going to say three months. Who plans that much ahead? <laughs> oh, that, see, that's for vacation. Must be nice. For vacation. <laughs> see, Remo leaves last minute. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> honey, um, I found a discounted flight. Let's yeah. go. Right. I, I did have, um, and maybe this is something as I'm, I'm talking out loud here uh, to the group that we add to the question. I know you said the drilling is something that you're not, uh, you wouldn't support. Mm-hmm. And is there certain things that you're black and white about where? In this case, you would say no to drilling. Um, is there some things that you're absolute about one way or another that you can, I don't know if the campaign could stand on something like that, but just as I'm thinking yeah. out loud here. Um, I think when it comes to drilling, it just doesn't make environmental sense or f- fiscal sense. I mean, there it was given to us by L.A. County um, with the promise that whatever is used from there be used only for parks and, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So to assume that if we drill, which could end up in an environmental catastrophe um, in District 3, um, and expect that to uh, fix or band-aid an issue that we've seen coming for 10 years is not, it's an absolute no for me. I mean, we have parts of the country and the world that are on fire right now. <laughs> and for a, you know, a council to, to decide to drill in our hills, um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Any any other things that that you're that absolute? I know we talked about obviously housing. We talked about crime, sustainable financial sustainability. Any anything else that like what are you what are you what are is your campaign uh, consist of? Like what are you running on? Is there any specific topics? Yeah, I, I, I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but I, I think it might be. Like what are the the talking points that you think um, that, that you would be running on? Yeah, I mean, supporting our local business, local businesses. Um, one of the biggest things that I'm running on is community inclusion, um, right. is making sure that our folks have a seat at the table. Um, that is my number one thing. And also a comprehensive resolution to homelessness. Um, those are three of the biggest things um, that I think are the most pertinent right now. And also, if we begin addressing those issues, we'll have a lifelong effect, um, a positive effect on our city. There you go, Remo. All right. You're talking to to a local resident there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's uh, line the questions up a little bit with some of the the funner ones that tend to be uh, uh, actually might be tougher. um, (laughs) The first is, you know, in Whittier, what do you think is missing? And when we say that is, is there something that you leave the city to go either – use, uh, buy, um, consume that you would like to see in the city of Whittier? Um, I think there's, can I have two answers to this question? Okay. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I think we're missing is, um, kind of like an interactive park area. Um, I think, um, I personally don't have children, but I Mm -hmm. guess I'm at the age where a lot of my friends are having young children and there's not really a space where they can go like an enclosed space to Mm -hmm. kind of have their children play, maybe talk to other, other, um, parents, Mm -hmm. um, in district three or, or in our city overall. Um, I mean, we have a dog park, but if you don't have a dog, then <laughs> there's yeah. really no you other. You can walk your space. kid, can you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen people do it before. You, you can borrow other people's yeah. dogs <laughs> right. and, like, you know, pet dogs there and then go home. <laughs> pet Airbnb or something. <laughs> right. Or you can be the person that goes and doesn't have a dog and yeah, just, just pets other out. folks. Yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Which Remo would be kind of awkward. Yeah. So I think that's missing something that, um, you know, young moms or young parents can kind of hang out. Um, you know, one of the biggest things is folks don't feel safe going to parks or walking around with their young children. So having a space that we know is, is a safe one. Um, 
but also cycling, like a cycling place. There's a lot of folks that go to Soul Cycle or go to Pasadena or go to all these other places to go to a cycling class, and we don't have that here um, unless we're a part of, you know, a corporate gym. So I think it kind of there's a lot of folks that would be willing to open up something like that, but we need they need support from the city to do that. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, so, and would your what are some of your uh, your favorites, your go tos here in the city? Whether it's Drink, eat, play, shop. Tacos and Michi's is uh, uh, one of my favorites. Um, also, Norm's Burgers. It's been there forever, mm-hmm. but it's delicious. Have you all? Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and, I mean, Norm's has uh, <laughs> Remo's credit card on file. Yeah. Norm's account? has soup and salad, which is just mind-blowing. No, <laughs> we're talk- not talking about Norm's restaurant. Oh, we're talking Norm's about Burns. Norm's on the corner of but Ocean View and Whittier. Ocean View and Whittier. Ocean View and Whittier. It's next to the car wash. Yeah, Caddy Corner from La Casa del Cocinero. Now you have never to go been there. You never I been to Casa never del Cocinero? No, I, I have oh, been there. Okay. We we had we we interviewed him one time. But the uh, Norm's the, Burgers, Norm's Burgers, best yeah. fries. Oh my gosh! Yeah. City. Really? Guaranteed. Yeah. Okay. They were voted number one hamburger in Whittier for like ten years ago. Yeah. Like straight. Really? Yeah. Don't forget the pastrami. Yeah, yes. <laughs> is our tagline. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I won't be able to go sleep it. with heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> when you get to a certain age, heartburn kicks in, Take and your you're tums. like, uh, nah, I'll get the water. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, those two are, are some of my favorite restaurants in Whittier. Do you have a uh, Do you have a, a place you, where you would go and say maybe dine out or, or kind of more casual hangout? Um, or so not socialize. Like if you're saying uh, out of town, people come over, say, "Hey, meet me at certain place," or yeah. you ever go to? A lot of those restaurants are in Uptown. Okay, and but Bottle Room. I you know uh, flight they have their uh, bacon wrap dates are life changing. Yeah. <laughs> um, those are some of you know where it's more like a nicer sit down experience. Mm-hmm. Those two are some of my favorite um, shopping. Laura's boutique um, she actually has been super successful here in Whittier. She has two shops, um, one on Whittier Boulevard and one in here in Uptown. Um, and yeah, it's some of my top favorite places to go here. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. The, well, the bacon covered dates are incredible. They're amazing. Yeah. They're the Bowie dates, right? I, I, I haven't had them yet, but <laughs> I, I mean, they're. I can have like five plates of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, here's what's interesting is that they're they're they recently posted something on Instagram where they wanted to hear like uh, fan favorites, like you know, kind of what should we bring back? Yeah. And ninety five percent said the dates. And well, no, for me it was in my mind it was like. You remember they used to give you a little tray, like a little almonds appetite. and olives. Yeah, you would come in and like it's like under you. It's like the very underrated. Uh, I don't know what you call it, appetizer, a formal know. chips and salsa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and but it was the best thing, man. And it was like, uh, and so I saw that some people were posting that they should bring that back. So I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one. So okay. <laughs> so now you got, I got to go back for the dates, man. Yeah, yes, dates are really and they're really pickle good. tacos too. Yes, I had those once. Oh man, those things are amazing. Mm-hmm. Not the healthiest, but yeah. My mom was I, every time I go, it, it's with a group of people that always order, and so I'm just just You're picking bring food. Up. Yeah, just that's all I care for. So I, I, I think I had the pickle tacos. I don't remember, but I do remember <laughs> the dates because yeah. in, yeah. in Arabic culture, dates are something that we eat common, mm. we eat often, and so um, they don't taste like they just taste like bacon goodness. So. Do you wrap yours in bacon? No. <laughs> you put them in a smoothie? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's delicious. Yeah. But they don't have that at flight. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't. That's too complicated. Flight, if you're listening, yeah. if you're listening you might want to do it. I, I, I uh, make our coffee in the morning. <laughs> that's my extent of my cooking. Bacon, bacon wrap date smoothie. Oh, bacon. bacon in your smoothie. Is that so good? So we're moving away from the health yeah, kick. Yeah, <laughs> protein? Yeah. Get it all at once. Get it all at once. Oh, man. Well, with that said, um, is there anything else you want to discuss in terms of your campaign and and how uh, obviously? Yeah, I mean, you know, thank you all so much for having me. Um, But, you know, I think for city council, a lot of folks may have their perception of who their city council member should be. Um, But as I start door knocking and we're talking to folks and we've been doing it since August, I think what folks are really asking for is a leader and what folks are really asking for is somebody that is going to take their concerns into consideration. And I believe that as one of the only candidates that has been canvassing um, for that long, um, you know, I believe I'm your best bet. 
There you go. And how can uh, people connect with you? On Instagram, my handle is Ferrada2020, so F-E-R-R-A-D-A 2020. Um, I'm usually pretty good about updating um, what's happening with the campaign on there. Okay. Um, and my website is www.ferrada4whittier.com. Are you also on Facebook or is is uh, the same as Instagram? Yeah, on Facebook, it is Yasmin Farada for Whittier City Council, District 3. Very cool. So they can reach out to you, uh, follow you there. And how about a phone number? Do you want to share that? That is my personal cell phone number. (laughs) So I probably won't. Not yet. Um, But but you can (laughs) definitely email the campaign or reach out through that way. Makes it a little bit easier. Very cool. And I got to throw one more question in because she says she's she's like uh, several generations in. What are you right? What is one thing in Whittier that you remember? Like, that's no longer here. Um, well, besides the Whitwood Mall? Like, something that as a kid, you're like, man, like, I wish they would. Or just growing up, you're like, man, I wish they would bring that back. The Orange Julius and the Whitwood Mall. Does anyone okay. remember that? No. Yeah. I remember I the remember. playground at the Whitwood Mall. So the Whitwood Mall had an Orange Julius in it. And so we would walk from my house to the Whitwood Mall and get an Orange Julius. And it was amazing. Is, is that a juice or is that It's a, like a Jamba juice, right? Is that? I'm like, I know I'm not... That old. It's like um, it was usually in most shopping malls, but it was it tasted like a fifty fifty bar. Yes, and it was like blended orange juice with I want to say some sort of protein powder and maybe some milk based something. But yeah, it yeah. was so good. I don't know if Orange Julius still exists, but there was one in the Woodward Mall. There you go. <laughs> I have no idea. See, Remo's older than we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately. Um, Back in my day, he remembers. <laughs> he remembers uh, Fresh is squeezing his own. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember Julius <laughs> Caesar or Julius. There you go, Julius Caesar. Right? Oh, yeah. I'm just making sure here. Fun fact: the closest one is in Arcadia. Oh, they still oh, yeah. exist. They still exist. Yes. Arcadia, Westminster, Burbank. There you go. We'll see, Ju- we can bring it back. If you're listening, saying, yes, you got a you got a client here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> campaign promise. Yeah. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Yasmin, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much um, for having me. We wish you luck, and uh, yeah, if you do get elected, we'll have to invite you and bring you back uh, and kind of give us the rundown on how your campaign went. I would love to. And then uh, what we expect for the future. Absolutely. Right. Thank, thank you for you having me. me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye, Whittier. Bye, Whittier.